You are listening to Agent Court Church's audio podcast. For more information on Agent Court Church, including service times, how to connect, and campus locations, please visit our website at onechurch.to. If people know about John Mark, they know him as a quitter. It's been said that when the going gets tough, the tough get going. But by that definition, John Mark was not tough. He did not get going. He quit. And the Apostle Paul refused to rehire him. That is, until that same Apostle Paul specifically requests him by name. This is the true comeback story of John Mark. Well, good morning. Have you ever had some news come your way and your response was, I didn't see that coming? I sure didn't see that coming. You would open up your phone and see news, something that maybe happened or maybe personal news sent to you and you're thinking, really? Seriously? I didn't see that coming. John Mark gives us three surprises, three occasions to say, I didn't see that coming. I mean, the first one's this. Why did John Mark even need a comeback in the first place? The guy grew up in a wonderful church, the original church in Jerusalem. His mom has spoken of elsewhere in scripture. She loved the Lord. Guess who his cousin was? The one that got the nickname Son of Encouragement. Barnabas was his cousin. I mean, talk about a a spiritual support system. He, He had it. So that's a surprise that John Mark would ever need to have a comeback? And and, and the second surprise that he helps provide for us is this. He is the cause of two major church leaders going two separate ways. That's a surprise. The third surprise is that he's the catalyst for a major church leader probably the one that's known best in the entire New Testament other than Jesus, for that church leader having a bit of a comeback of his own, all right? It all starts, you have to go back to the first ever missions trip. Did you see those global experience trips spoken of on a slide during the offering time? You know, you're welcome to go on them, but the first ever one has already happened. It was Paul and Barnabas, And guess who they took along? John Mark took him along. See, uh, 10 years before, Jesus had uh, said to his followers, he had said, you know, I want you guys to take the good news of what I've done for everybody. First of all, to the people in Jerusalem, check. Judea, check. Samaria, check. And to the ends of the earth. Oh, that's still on our to-do list. And so he called, Jesus himself called uh, his chosen apostle to the Gentiles when he was persecuting Christians, likely even killing some of them. And so Saul of Tarsus was encountered by Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus, and Jesus says, Uh, I'm the one you're persecuting. When you're persecuting people, you're persecuting me. And and Saul realized Jesus is real. He is the Son of God. He is the Savior. The people that I'm persecuting, everything they're saying about him is true. And he became a follower of Jesus. But then he had to flee himself uh, back to his hometown because he began to tell people about Jesus and they began to persecute him. But now, 
uh, here he is, ready to go with Barnabas for the first ever trip to take the gospel outside of Judea, Samaria, and to try to take it to the Roman cities and communities of the Roman Empire. The very first missions trip, very first global experience trip is about to happen. And, uh, and, and here's a scripture that we need to just sort of register because they're getting ready for the trip. There in the town of Salamis, they went to the Jewish synagogues and preached the word of God. Who went with them? John Mark went with them as their assistant. And it goes so well. They go to, first stop is Cyprus, the island of Cyprus in the Roman Empire. And it meant a lot of travel, hard work, some nasty opposition at times, but overall very successful. And it ended on a high note. Before they left Cyprus, do you know what happened? The Roman governor of the entire province of Cyprus, that island, became a follower of Jesus Christ. Isn't that great? So you can imagine as they, as they head off to their second stop, how excited they are about what the Lord did in their first stop, Cyprus. And they head off to uh, Pamphylia. And they no sooner arrive in the port, you can imagine, oh God, you're going to do the same thing here as you did in Cyprus. They, they don't even have their suitcases unpacked when John Mark pulls off the surprise. Surprise number one, he says, I quit. Let's read about it. Paul and his companions then left Paphos by ship for Pamphylia, landing at the port town of Perga. There, John Mark left them and returned to Jerusalem. Why did he quit? We're not actually told. Was it a lack of preparation? Did they not prepare the, you know, younger Christian, the young man? And he maybe went to Paul and Barnabas and said, I, I'm not ready for this. I don't need this. Was it discouragement? Maybe he just went to them and said, you know, guys, I, I just don't have what it takes. We're not told. One thing that seems apparent, though, is it wasn't like a spiritual blowout. It wasn't like some big tragedy or disaster. It seems to have been just a gradual disengagement, just sort of a decline in his commitment over time. If, if, if John Mark was a car tire, I was thinking he wouldn't have been a blowout. He would have been a slow leak. Something happened between leaving Antioch where the church prayed powerfully, prophetically, a blessing over them. And when they arrived at this port of Perga, something had leaked out of his spiritual commitment and he wants to go back home. You know, someone, I remember hearing it written down, they said, I didn't backslide, I just stopped following and the lights went out. It's, always, it's not always those big tragedies of life. Why, God, did you allow this to happen? Or a, per, a person lets us down, and so I'm not going to follow Jesus if that's what it's about anymore. It's not always that. Sometimes it's just this, this gradual decline. Incrementally, it happens in our lives. Now, now, Paul and Barnabas went on to complete the objectives of the trip. Listen, that 
first missions experience, that global experience trip, was so successful, so many Gentiles became followers of Jesus, that when they reported back to the headquarters in Jerusalem, the church leaders decided, do you know what? We're doing a lot of Jewish cultural things that we shouldn't impose on Gentile followers of Jesus. Let's them worship differently than us, because it's all about Jesus. And let's not make them run through some cultural hoops that we have from the old covenant for them to follow Jesus. It it was just that the church just realized how successful this was. Paul and Barnabas were such a great team. And listen, Paul and Barnabas didn't start their positive history with this uh, missions trip. It went back to when... Uh, Saul was encountered by Jesus on that road of Damascus, and he had a transformation. And through Ananias, God says, you're my chosen apostle to the Gentiles. And, uh, but listen, can you imagine the first time that Saul, who had persecuted Christians, some of your relatives, imagine if he walked into this service, Saul, and some of your own family had been put in jail, maybe some of them whipped or, or, or even murdered because of their faith, and led by the persecution of Saul. How many would be a bit suspicious of this terrorist? <laughs> Comes walking in, I just want to worship the Lord with you. Yeah, right. <laughs> How many of your gift of suspicion would kick in? <laughs> you just wonder, is this, is this real? Guess who stepped up and vouched for the validity of Saul's faith in Jesus, Barnabas stepped in. And he just reassured everybody, Jesus has transformed his life just like he's transformed ours. And then, guess who went to get Saul from Tarsus when the church was exploding in growth and they needed more people on staff. They needed more people in church leadership. It was Barnabas that went and found Saul and brought him. He gave him his start in church leadership ministry. And so, I mean, these guys were tight. It didn't even start with this mission trip. They'd had, they'd had a, a decade together in, and, and they were inseparable, which makes surprise number two an even bigger surprise. Let's read it. After some time, Paul said to Barnabas, let's go back and visit each city where we previously preached the word of the Lord to see how the new believers are doing. You know, I mean, this makes sense, right? To go back, see how they're doing, let's disciple them more. Barnabas agreed. Mission strip number two, bring it on. And he wanted to take along John Mark. But Paul disagreed strongly since... John Mark had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in their work. Their disagreement was so sharp that they separated. Barnabas took John Mark with him and sailed for Cyprus. Paul chose Silas, and as he left, the believers entrusted him to the Lord's gracious care. Then he traveled throughout Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches there. So basically what happens is this. John Mark has a comeback. Barnabas is supportive of it. The Apostle Paul vetoes it. I I can sort of hear the conversation. I think it probably went something like this. Barnabas says, Paul, come on. Let's give the young man a second chance. And Paul says, Barney, he quit on us once. He'll quit on us again. And Barnabas says, but Paul, he's, 
He's matured. He's grown. He says he's ready this time. He knows what he's in for. Let, 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 let's have him travel with us. Let's give him another chance. And Paul says, no, nah, there's too much ride, riding on this second missions trip. You know my rule. One strike and you're... Surprise number two is that the inseparables, inseparables, the first one was from the Greek, inseparables separate, and it's all over the comeback kid, Mark. Now, before we go on to surprise number three, and we're going to get there, let's start applying some of what we're hearing already from the Bible and Paul's experience, Barnabas's and John Mark's experience. I'm going to invite Pastor O'Shea, our youth pastor, to join me. Because we've been talking, we've met a couple of times, and we've been talking about why is it that people become John Marks? Why do they disengage? And so you've been doing some research, and you've uh, sort of got a summary of the stats of the church in North America, and there, there are times where people are more likely to disconnect from their faith community and disengage from following Jesus. What are, what are those times where it's more likely to occur? Yeah, so we looked at just a bunch of different things, and a couple of big things were just generic change, whether it be change in transition. So a lot of the research was done about youth to, or junior high, sorry, to youth, youth to young adults, but also just challenges that, that may arise. And one of the, one of the big numbers... That, that were kind of out there was from age 16 to 17, you've seen about a 10% uh, de decrease in, in church attendance. And from 17 to 18, you saw it kind of jump up to 14%. And the big number that, that's kind of sh really shocking was from that transition from high school to, to young adult, you've seen about two-thirds uh, of them kind of leave two church. Two-thirds? Yeah. Wow. Wow. Now... Why does it happen? I mean, I mean, I know like kids can grow up in the church, their parents drive them, they don't have a choice at the beginning, but later on they start to make their own decisions. I'm sure that has something to do with it. But what did you find in your research? So there's three big main reasons why you kind of see disconnect um, in those transitions. One of them, the church just unfortunately not being a, a place where questions can be asked, where you can kind of challenge um, God in or per se challenge what you've been taught, challenge what you've been really learning and really ask those tough questions. Another one, um, not really the youth or young adults fault, but just family circumstances where their parents are, are just not getting along and kind of decide to go their, their separate ways or parents also kind of just check out a church and not really find it as valuable. And the last one, just being... Um, not really having that support system at church, not really having that person that really believes in them, what, whether they're doing something fantastic or whether they're not making some wise choices. So I can jump in on that second one and, and think of you, O'Shea, because as we've been talking, I've gotten to know a bit more of your story, and you actually had parents uh, weren't getting along and went their separate ways, and your dad stopped going to church. I mean, come on, you're a teenager. There's your ticket. You know, get out. Just if he's not going to follow God, why should I? Like, you could have had a. Tell me about that time. Tell me about that time. Yeah, so like you said, like, just parents, uh, my father and my stepmom at the time just weren't getting along, decided to go separate ways. And this is about that transition from junior high 
um, to high school and just really, really tough time in seeing that and seeing my dad kind of step a little, a little further back from church. And I think one of the biggest things that kind of got me through that specific transitional phase was the fact that this, this belief I had in Jesus, this faith that I had belonged to me and it didn't belong to my dad. It didn't belong to my stepmom who brought me to church, but it was really that I found Christ in myself. And really how old were you about then? Um, this is that 16 to 17 age. And you'd already decided that the faith in Jesus was your own. Yeah. And then I guess the second time where unfortunately it happened again, just with my dad and, and another, another lady where they kind of just um, separated again was, was that transition from high school to, to young adult. And a lot of different circumstances kind of led out of that where that, that, that was the big one where my dad just decided that, hey, I'm just going to completely remove myself um, from church and just also seeing that, that that probably wasn't an environment that I should stay in. So I also kind of removed myself from that environment, but decided to, I mean, I'm going to keep this faith. And honestly, nothing, nothing that I was great or I was good. It was really that last point, just having people around me that believed in me when I didn't believe in myself really. Wow. So, so you, you did, mom and dad, they weren't against what you were doing. But at the same time, they weren't doing it themselves, and they had their own issues as a, as, you know, as a couple to deal with. But who did you have in the church then uh, that sort of mentored you or helped you through that uh, ugly chapter? Yes, I had, I had a bunch of pastors. I had, a, <laughs> I had a team of pastors that just really believed in me. Austin, uh, Pastor Austin Moore, who's on staff here, was one of those big driving forces in, in keeping me and just encouraging me. I had my wife now, her, her, like her parents were really, really helpful in that moment where I was kind of struggling, even just with that perception of parents in my own personal life, where they were able to kind of step in and really help me out there. Yeah, so what do, what do you say to, uh, whether they're online or in this room, to, to kids, to teenagers, young adults, what do you say to them as far as how do you get through those times where a lot of people are disconnecting, they're opting out of faith community, they don't follow Jesus, what do you, what do you say to them? I think the biggest thing is don't, don't give up on yourself, don't give up because Jesus didn't give up on you, he won't give up on you, so why, why are we giving up on ourselves? Mm -hmm. You know, I'm, I want you to know, O'Shea, and I mean this from my heart, I tell you this privately, how proud I am of you. Uh, I didn't have to deal with some of those things. You know, parents, I just had that John Mark supportive community. But I could be sitting here talking to a John Mark, and you could be telling me, well, I had to have a comeback because my parents stopped going to church and all this. And, and instead, uh, you don't have that kind of comeback story. You have a story of, uh, I kept following Jesus even when others didn't. You know, I'm proud of you, bud. Love you. And then John Mark gives us surprise number three. He's a catalyst to it. Let me set the stage. You have to go to the last uh, words that the Apostle Paul wrote. And, and, and here's the timing. It's 20 years now, when he writes these words I'm going to share with you, 20 years after he went out on that first mission trip. He did two more after that. 
And uh, it's, it's uh, 16 years since he's had that separation with Barnabas. Now, I need to say this, that was quickly repaired. They, they got back together and you can hear them supportive of each other. You hear the Apostle Paul writing the church in Corinth, Greece and saying good things about Barnabas early on. But what about Mark? Well, let's look at the last chapter of, of the the last letter that Paul wrote. He's in a, a dungeon. He had two imprisonments. The first one, he was in a rented house, had a lot of freedoms. The next time, he's in a dungeon. He's in a, a Roman prison cell in the city of Rome. And he's doing a little bit of succession planning with Timothy. And then he says those words. Sometimes I've used them at a funeral of someone who's just really lived for the Lord. Uh, Paul says to Timothy, he says, the time of my departure is at hand. He means departing this life to go to be with the Lord. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. From now on, the crown of righteousness is laid up for me, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, not only to me, but all who long for his appearing. And then he says, Timothy, you're coming to visit me. You know, I really want to see you before I go to be with the Lord. But he says, when you come to visit me, I have five requests. So here I present to you, ladies and gentlemen, the five last recorded requests of the Apostle Paul. Number one, come quickly. You say, why do you want him to come quickly? He says, and then he says later in verse 20, he says, come before winter. Why? Number two, bring my coat. Winter's coming. I need my Canada goose coat, right? All right, number three, bring books. Understandable. And then bring parchments. Those weren't just papers. Those were official papers and things that Paul had really important to him. And then comes surprise number three. It's in request number five. Guess what he requests? Of all the things he wants to see and have before he goes to be with the Lord, he says, bring Mark. Bring Mark. I found him to be so useful in ministry. I was wrong about that young man, Barnabas. I shouldn't have quit on him. He wanted to come back, and I, I wasn't there for him. I, I believe in him now. I see how he helps people when he ministers. And I want to see him before I go to be with the Lord. And so John Mark is sort of the catalyst of the Apostle Paul having a little bit of a comeback experience of his own. You have to remember, he was a newer Christian when a lot of this happened. He'd only been following the Lord for a decade or so. Three lessons from Paul's comeback about Mark. Number one, how many have teenagers or you're married? You'll see this right away. We don't see clearly when we're worked up about an issue. Don't say amen. But it's true. Every one of us in the room has said stuff or got worked up about something that we got wrong, said stuff that we regret because we escalated emotionally in the middle of a discussion where we're just trying to present our side and, and not being open to maybe there being another side. Listen, do you know what? When we are emotionally escalating in a discussion, also called argument, when that's happening, we're not making good decisions. We're not making, and I want to encourage you, never make big decisions. Try not to say some of those big words in the middle of a discussion, things that you'll regret later. As a matter of fact, you know, the best way 
to say good things is to, is to not talk until you have the peace of the Lord, right? To have the peace of God, where you want that best for that other person. You just don't want to win or make points. And so, you know, that shalom, that peace. If, if, if Paul just had have prayed and taken time with Barnabas to listen to what he said and just, just said, what does Jesus want to do here? What does Jesus want to do? So, so that's the first lesson. We don't see clearly when we're worked up about issues. And then secondly, people are more important than issues. Paul was right about the issue, but he's wrong about Mark. And then time went by. Paul learned, watch this. Natalie talked about it when she led us in worship. Paul learned to give the grace to others that he had received from the Lord. Natalie talked about giving the love that we have received from the Lord. You know, God, you, you're patient with me. I can be patient with others. And what are the reasons why Paul ended up saying things like this when years later he wrote to the Christians in Ephesus and he said this, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Though I am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. You say, does that, is that, did Paul just get mellow when he got older? <laughs> I think he spiritually matured too. He kept growing in Jesus Christ. And here he is about to go to be with the Lord and he's still being changed by God's grace. How many have found that when you're having a difficult time with someone, all you have to do is say, Jesus, sometimes I'm like this with you and you give me grace. I can give grace to that other person. You know, focus on God's grace. People are more important than issues. And then the third lesson that we learn from Paul, Barnabas, John Mark experience is this. Let's be a church that facilitates comebacks. How many want to be a church where it doesn't matter what someone's been through in their life, when they come amongst us, they sense the love of Jesus in this place, and we have facilitate their, their comeback. You know, I remember when I, I've told you before about pastoring in Edmonton for nine wonderful years when I was in my 20s, and, but one thing I don't think I've ever told you before is that that church that we pastored for nine years, it uh, doubled in size every three years, it went on to some wonderful days, but a few years before we got there, about six years before we got there, that church was, went through a split. You say, why? Well, leadership, pastor and board, sort of, they were aligning themselves with a church in the United States that had a big bus ministry and great outreach programs. And they were saying, you know, in order to model ourselves after that church, we need to become something independent. Let's, uh, you know, move away from being associated with other churches in the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada. Let's sort of do our own thing. Let's be independent. And, they, and they, they just had a strong agenda that they presented to the people. And it came to a business meeting where there was a big blow up. And guess what happened? families divided over the issue. Some took sides with this group, some took sides with that group. It was actually in Edmonton's community newspapers, the story. It was just very, very sad. Very unnecessary, but very, very sad. Now, we arrived there and 
and uh, you know learned about that but it was in the past and, and and the church went on to some wonderful days of reaching Edmontonians for Jesus but one day I got a phone call and it was from the pastor that had led that church split years before and he said can we, can, can I get together with you for lunch of course we got together for lunch and he said I just want to say I'm sorry for what I did I'm sorry for what happened you know, we, we, we may wanted to reach people, but we, 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 we didn't care about the people we already have. We didn't handle it right. We didn't, and I'm sorry. He said, Pastor Keith, I want to say I'm sorry to all the people that I hurt. And I said, well, the church is like 80% of them wouldn't even know that this happened. You know, there's just a small group. So we wrote down the names of all the people that were in the church that had been hurt. And you know what? He went to every one of them and he apologized to them and he made it right. He had his own sort of comeback. He was part of our church family in Edmonton Evangel Assembly for over a year before he went to take on another ministry assignment right here in Ontario. You know, but, but here's why I'm telling you that story. It was so beautiful to see the graciousness of the church family. The very people who had been hurt and, and, you know, families been damaged. Those very people were the ones that when he asked for forgiveness, they forgave him, they restored him, and they helped him feel like a special part of that church family until he moved back to Ontario. And you know what? How many understand that's a church that can facilitate comebacks? And I love that about our entire one church family in Toronto. Whether it's our Clearly campus or here, those that are with us online, I'm sure they share that heart. How many want to be the kind of church that between now and when Jesus returns, we facilitate the comebacks of as many Torontonians as possible? Can you say a good amen? We want to be the, listen, whether they're prodigal sons or whether they're John Marks, whether, you know, they've they really messed up and hit rock bottom, or whether they've just drifted. We want to be here to help comebacks happen. And I, I, in talking to Pastor Jonathan, I know that that is his heart so very, very much to see as many Trontonians as possible come back to Father God through Jesus Christ. And, and it's exciting to be able to see how, how, how it happens. Now, listen, last Tuesday, I listened to a lot of this every... Tuesday morning, we have a half-hour staff meeting, and everybody's there, and they're sharing stories of what happened in all their different ministries. It's just a, a wonderful time together, and I asked them on Tuesday, or I met a lot of them coming out of the meeting. I said, could you just email me what you just said, because I'm not going to remember it all, but you know, I don't know how many times, and you've probably been like me if you've been here midweek, you know the two nights where we have community connections and all these people, a lot of them from Syria, refugees, new immigrants that are at the food bank, community connections. How many just when you go by, you say, oh Lord, may we do more for them someday than just feed their bodies. May we feed their souls some spiritual food, right on? You just pray, that's our heart. In the name of Jesus, we give you a cup of cold water, but we want you to know the living water, Jesus Christ, right? It's just our prayer that we have. Well, this was exciting to hear. I asked Pastor Steph to write me after Tuesday, and she said, four families from religious backgrounds who have been coming to Community Connections Food Bank have children who are in day camp now learning about the love of Jesus. Isn't that great? And then... She said, went on to say, 12 children 
from those families that, who come to Community Connections, most of them have a very religious background, but they, see the, they sense the love of God in this place. They see it demonstrated so practically. Twelve children are attending children's programs because of Community Connections. Isn't that great? And that's a shout out too to all of you who volunteer uh, prayerfully week after week. Now, I was talking to Jerry on our staff. And he says, every week, new people are going to that next steps lounge. You know, that blue wall, and we're doing all we can to just help people take the next step. He told me, he told the whole staff, actually, about three people who attended last week because someone from the church told them how we would be celebrating National Ice Cream Day. <laughs> and, and, and then Jeff said in social media, he said, usually we have an average of uh, two to 400 reading our posts about what we're doing at the weekend gatherings. Last week, it was over 14,000. 14,000 with over 1,100 likes. They really like ice cream. <laughs> I talked to Pastor Dan coming out. He didn't share it the group, but I asked him coming out of the meeting. I said, how's it going with those videos I did up for new Christians, especially for those coming out of Alpha, just to help them keep following Jesus? He said, even though it's summertime, we've got groups meeting in their homes. They want to continue to get together for Bible study. We've even got one starting up at our Claire Lee campus. Isn't that great? We are a church that is facilitating week after week after week. There are all kinds of those stories. We are facilitating the comebacks of people. Isn't that great? Oh, let's always be a church that facilitates comebacks. Some of them, they'll be more like the prodigal son. <laughs> They're going to be just desperate, hit rock bottom and say, okay, I'm going to turn to God. Pastor Jonathan's going to be continuing this comeback story series, and he'll be talking about the prodigal son in a few weeks. You know, did you ever notice in that story of the prodigal son, that when the son comes back to father, he says, I've been wrong. I just won't even want to be a, a servant. I no longer am worthy. He, come back, he comes back repentantly. He has a big comeback story. Do you remember the story of how the father went running to greet him? The father wasn't... I told you, son, you know, and now you jump through these 10 hoops before you're my son. No, no, no. He'd already done all the forgiving that there was to be done. And he welcomed his repentant son back into the family. Isn't that great? You know, if, even if someone comes from that far, that's a picture of the way Father God is to us. And then, of course, John Mark, for a lot of people, it's not like they went out and did this destructive thing with their life and destroyed the lives of other people. They're John Marks. They've drifted off. It's been a slow leak. Gradually, just drifted off. Drifted off. Listen, whether they show up with bruised souls, broken hearts, tattooed bodies, or bad theology, let's welcome them as Jesus welcomed us. Amen? Let's welcome them. Uh, Paul got to a place, he wrote to the Galatians, he says, you know what? Maybe he was thinking of John Mark. If a brother be is overtaken in a fault, listen to what he says, you who are spiritual, restore them in meekness. Be part, facilitate their comeback. Be part of their comeback story. We're going to close today praying for three different groups. The first ones, uh, well, we'll pray for these last, but here's one group we're going to pray for, the John Marks that are in your world how many parents and grandparents and relatives are here and your heart is aching? 
because you saw a kid following Jesus, maybe even growing up in the church, and today, they, they, it's, it's not that they've... Jesus said the cares of this life can choke out the spiritual truth, right? And, and some of you are here, and you, and, and you pray for us. We're going to pray for those. How many are thankful that John Marks are still coming back to Jesus? We're going to pray that that would happen here in Toronto through our church. And then we're going to, uh, Pastor O'Shea is going to be praying uh, for all of our children and teenagers and young adults that we do have. You're following Jesus, or we're proud of you. Isn't it so silly that at the very age where Jesus said, let the children come to me, and he called a bunch of late teen and young adult followers to be his 12 disciples, isn't it something that that becomes the age that in 2019 in North America we disconnect from the very one who says, follow me at prime time of your life? Isn't it something? So listen, as, as Pastor O'Shea has made it clear, Jesus is worthy to be followed at every age and stage of your entire life. Remember your creator in the days of your youth. So we're going to pray for you who are here and you're, you're following Jesus that you would be strong in him. And then we're going to pray for, for the John Marks. I don't know how many of you are listening online and you're saying, Pastor Keith, you're talking to me today. Not some big thing. I just drifted. I just got busy doing other stuff, and, and Jesus went down in terms of the priority, but, but I see it now, and I'm going to do a comeback like John Mark did. I'm coming back to say, Jesus, you are worthy of a full commitment of my life. Jesus, you're not in my life. You're Lord of my life. How many in this room, you're ready to pray about your own comeback? You see, don't, 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 the question is not, did you quit? The question is, are you coming back? Amen. Are you coming back? Let's, let's pray together, shall we? Pastor O'Shea, join me. Let's pray. First of all, Lord, I pray for the, the John Marks and the prodigal sons. But even if there isn't some drastic things that they have done in their lives that they are turning away from, even if it's just been a drift away from that commitment, and maybe they grew up physically, but they didn't grow up spiritually. They didn't keep their relationship with you strong and up to date. I pray for people of all ages, but especially young adults and teenagers, where they would say, I'm going to make faith in Jesus my own decision. He is worthy. So Jesus, you know what I've done. You know where I've been. You know where I've drifted. I'm coming back to you today. I thank you that you're welcoming them with open arms, Lord. Spirit of God, just speak. And if the Spirit of God is speaking to you, he will never condemn you, but he will invite you to receive his love, his grace, his forgiveness, and his corrective truth today. I'll just say, Jesus, Jesus, I receive that. I'm coming back to you today. You are not just in my life. You are Lord of my life. Thank you, Jesus. O'Shea, keep leading us. Yes, Father, Lord, we, we thank you, Lord, for this next generation, Lord. We thank you for the kids, Lord. We thank you yes. for the junior highs, Lord. We thank you for the youth and the young adults, Father, Lord. We just pray, Lord, that, Lord, you would just give them uh, strength, Lord, just to continuously pursue after you, Lord. Pursue after your love, Father, Lord, in these, in these tough transitional times, Lord, as challenges arise, Father, Lord, I pray, Lord, that, Lord, you would give them wisdom, Lord, just to be able to make the right choices, Lord, that would honor you, Lord, and 
just show how much uh, they care for you, Lord, and care for others, God, Lord. And lastly, Lord, I just pray, Lord, for endurance, God, Lord, that when these trials, when these challenges, Lord, when they feel like disconnecting, Father, Lord, that they would, they would continuously take that step, Father, Lord. They would, step by step, Lord, they would just follow you and follow into your arms, Father, Lord, because how great of a testimony would it be, Lord, that, that they were able to be like, man, trials came, problems came, Lord, but I stuck with you, Father, Lord. Yes, Lord. I decided to love you, and I decided to run after you. Yes. So we thank you for these now in your name. Yes, Lord, and Lord, we pray for every, especially the parents and grandparents in this room who have seen children who have maybe once followed you, or grown up in a church community where they learned of you, and today they're, they're not following you. And all these comeback stories, they just make their hearts ache because they so want that for their children, their grandchildren, their friends, their relatives, someone who they've known once was following you, taking steps towards you, and now they, they, they've drifted. The cares of this life have choked out the spiritual truth that they had received. God, I pray that you'd use our prayers right now to this week arrest each one of them, Lord. Bring something and someone across their pathway. Sometimes they won't listen to us anymore because they feel they know what we're going to say. But you can bring someone across their pathway who loves you and who will be able to relate to them. We ask that that kind of uh, witness would be released right now as we pray, Lord. And we ask for, for, for each one that we're praying for that they would not have any peace until they have peace with you, Lord. Because we know you are the only one that can give the peace that we were intended to have by coming back and coming home to Father God. So, Lord, use our prayers right now. You, there are hundreds of people between those of us online and in this room that are praying for people right now who need to come back. We pray for them, Lord. May they have a story like John Mark did, that they came back from drifting. Use our prayers to help that happen, we pray. And we agree together for all of these people. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Make sure you don't miss a message by subscribing to this podcast. All creative content and production for this podcast is provided by the One Church Creative Team.